Hey friends, welcome to this week's episode. You're gonna love it, it's a great one. But you know what, before we get there, I wanna tell you about chemistry staffing. You know, you might be at the place where you're thinking about a transition. You might be thinking about what is your next ministry step. And frankly, if you were to reach out to me, I would say, you know what you should do? You should talk to my friends over at Chemistry Staffing. They want to help you find a fantastic long-term fit. That is what I love about them. They're trying to help leaders like you sit in a place, be in a place that's great for you long-term. But what I want you to do, you might not be there now. What I want you to do though, is I want you to go over to chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary, where you can download one PDF that contains two eBooks, when to leave and before you go. Even if you're thinking about these issues, it's probably good to spend some time processing that, thinking about it. And these two resources will help you do it. These two books are probably the best resource for ministry leaders out there. They're completely free, who are wrestling through whether it's time for them to move on. Now would be a good time for you to check these things out. Again, I'm so convinced that our friends at Chemistry Staffing will help you find a good long-term fit. You can trust them. They're good brokers. They're, they're good friends along this journey. So drop by chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary and pick up the two eBooks all in one when to leave and before you go both resources to help you wrestle through friends ministry transitions are a part of ministry life and so if you're thinking about those today one of the first things i would say to you is hey you should reach out to my friends over at chemistry staffing i know they'll help you find uh, a great long-term fit again that's chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary today are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Super excited for today's conversation with my new friend, Lisa Penberthy. She is just an incredible leader that you're going to want to listen in and lean in with. Uh, She was Executive Pastor of Operations at San Diego Rock. If you don't know this church, a fantastic uh, organization. She's been a church leader and consultant uh, with 20 plus years of experience as both an MDiv and an MBA, which is fantastic in nonprofit management. Uh, She currently is serving as the COO at Dana Investment Group. Uh, she's passionate really about helping churches and leaders steward uh, their calling and church resources. Uh, Lisa, welcome to the show. So glad that you're here. Rich, thanks for the invite. It's great to be with you. Yeah, I'm so honored that you are giving us some time today. This is going to be good. Fill out the picture there. What did I miss? Uh, what else do we want people to know? I know it's so hard to, you know, how do I, you know, what, what, what do I want people to know about me? Uh, what do I want people to know about me? Um, I believe in the local church. I have served in every capacity of the local church minus a men's pastor. So Mm. I started out (laughs) ministry um, as a volunteer junior high youth leader, but a paid janitor. So I was paid Mm. to clean the toilets and I volunteered (laughs) to serve the junior hires. And boy, some days it felt the same. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. That's hilarious. I love that. So yeah, good. So, so those are local church is where it's at for me. Um, mm-hmm. I've served in various uh, capacities at denominational levels. So I'm ordained minister mm-hmm. with the Foursquare Church and oh, served um, my pastoring local church years were mainly in the Foursquare Church. And then I served mm-hmm. our denomination both at 
uh, what Foursquare would call the district level that serves the local church directly, and then the national level that serves all mm -hmm. of the U.S. churches. So it's an love honor it. to serve 20 plus years in those capacities. Yeah, and I, I love, love it. to teach. Oh, good. Nice. So and we're, we're, we're in, that's been both in the local church context and other contexts? Yeah, so that. Life Pacific University and, mm -hmm. uh, and then Ministry Institute. So Rock School of Ministry when I was at The Rock, and I currently mm -hmm. teach at uh, Western Ministry Institute, which is a four-square ministry institute. Love it. So good. Well, I'm so honored that you would be on today to, to tackle this issue particularly. Uh, so what we're talking about today really is how can we as church churches and church leaders, people who are charged with leading the church, really uh, encourage, ra raise up uh, particularly female women leaders in our, our churches. I think my assumption is that there are people that are listening in today that although cognitively might agree, hey, we they look around their circles and they're like, there's just way too many guys here. There have to be more women that uh, that should be leading in our context, but there must be something that's going on that we're not encouraging women to take it in these steps, or we're providing we're kind of there's some something that we're doing that's not working right. And I want to I want to you offered, which I appreciate uh, to help us kind of think about these issues today, and we want to kind of wrestle through that. So what should we be thinking about? What when when we think about this issue. Let's assume we're in that picture. We look around and we say, I mean, there's just, there's just too many guys here. How can we, not that guys are bad, uh, but how can we <laughs> encourage, uh, you know, more women to lead within our context? Yeah, great question. And my focus is really practical in, in just identifying what's missing. When you sit down at a table, mm -hmm. you've gathered people to make decisions and you look around and you don't see any women. Um, mm -hmm. it, it begs the question, are we missing part of the mm -hmm. conversation? Mm -hmm. And so starting out really practical is looking around the table. Who's at the tables that you go to? Um, we tend to focus on the theological side in the conversation, but really we need to get beyond that and look at the practical aspect of mm -hmm. um, seeing women fulfill their calling. So if women mm -hmm. know that they're called, you've already determined that that's where you stand because that's your belief, then, then let's figure out how to do it. So the practical mm -hmm. ways, look around the table. Are there women? Look at your platform. Mm -hmm. Scroll through all of your um, Sunday sermons that you have put on your website and count how many times a woman has spoken. Um, mm -hmm. If you can't find any times, then you've probably missed the mark. If you're only seeing it once or twice, but you've had... 20 plus guest speakers, then you've probably fallen a little short. Now, if, mm -hmm. if the primary speaker is just the lead pastor and no one else covers the pulpit, then it is what it is. But if you bring mm -hmm. guests in for your pulpit, if you bring guests in to speak and you don't see any women, then you should probably look a little deeper on your bench. Mm -hmm. Love that. I love that. Just even really practical, you know, try that. That's a potential blind spot we might have is that we're not, um, you know, we're not calling in, uh, you know, female guest speakers when we, you know, when we are bringing in guest speakers. That's great. What would be some other common blind spots that you see when, in churches that would hold a conviction that would say, yeah, we, we're, we're open to women, women leading, but there's just like a, you know, there's just a blind spot that we just don't see. What, are any others that come up? Absolutely. Um, male leaders default to mm -hmm. uh, they need to be in the home and not because they think that that not because that's their belief, but because they feel that a woman will say no. And so they don't even ask women because the woman is focused on they have young children or they're uh, really focused on their family. They're the soccer mom. And so they, they don't want to interrupt 
or they mm-hmm. have spoken to a woman in the past that has said, I'm really busy now, come back to me, and they don't mm-hmm. come back. So a really simple way to do that is when you identify a woman who is strong and called and you know mm-hmm. that um, ministry, speaking, teaching is in their future, and they mm-hmm. say, you know what, I really want the first five years of my kids to focus on the first five years, there's nothing wrong with that. But what mm. they really need is that person that circles back after the first five years and says, okay, five years is up. Mm. Let's talk again. So coming mm. back to the conversation, hold the women accountable. They're the ones that said, mm. I see that call in my life. I just want to wait. And so finding mm. that balance. And really, that's not everyone. When mm. I started going, for me, it was, this is my priority. My husband and I waited 10 years for the kids because mm. I wanted to go after my call so that when the kids came along, I knew the difference of my calling as a mother and my calling Mm -hmm. as a pastor, because they're two Mm -hmm. very different things that I know God has prepared me for. Mm -hmm. Love that. I I know, um, first of all, I appreciate you pushing us on this. We want to keep leaning in here and finding ways that we could be creating uh, undue barriers that, that we shouldn't, you know, that aren't there. I know for me, one of them that I've seen in my own leadership is the, um, is the unexpected kind of social stuff. Hey, we're going, hey, let's go out for lunch or hey, we're going to, you know, whatever, go to a game together, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, talk us through, uh, well, is that a problem? Am I being anxious about stuff I shouldn't be anxious about? Uh, or is there is there a real issue there that we need to think about? So this is a tension point and mm-hmm. everybody has to individually determine mm-hmm. where they sit. For me, I have traveled the world with male colleagues because Mm -hmm. it's a part of what I'm called to do. And my gender doesn't limit my calling. My choices Mm -hmm. can limit it. My Mm -hmm. actions can limit it, but my gender shouldn't. And so I have put in personal uh, benchmarks Mm -hmm. and points of accountability into my life and leadership that affords me opportunity to sit in a meeting room with just me and one male, um, Mm -hmm. travel the world with just me and one male. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's because of the things I've put in place for my accountability. And I know my Mm -hmm. weaknesses, and that's not my weakness. And now Mm -hmm. I won't know the male's weakness. And Mm -hmm. so open conversations become important, knowing who you're working with, knowing who you're traveling with, Mm -hmm. um, putting that layer of trust in place becomes Mm -hmm. important. Um, mm-hmm. so, so navigating those pieces is really important. So if there is a hesitancy on a male's end of being in a room, um, with a woman, because I've, I've mm-hmm. experienced that. And I had to ask the question of a male that said, is this because you don't trust me or you don't trust mm-hmm. yourself? Mm-hmm. And so, and then hmm. that conversation was had. And then I took it a, a layer deeper and said, okay, you trust me, you trust yourself. Is this a commitment to your spouse? Because mm-hmm. I want to honor those things, but I also mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. want those things to keep us from being effective in the mission. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. let's put it all out on the table. Um, never isolate a woman or keep from having a lunch with the opposite sex because of that barrier. Um, mm-hmm. Have the conversations up front because the reality in today's day and age is you don't know who's sitting across from the table. You can mm-hmm. have a transgender across the table. You could have mm-hmm. um, someone uh, that doesn't, that is attracted to same sex and you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so yep. having a male and a male at the table is no different today than having a male and a female. Now, if this is your right. staff and someone you know, 
then there should also be that same level of trust. You're trusting mm -hmm. where it's at. So putting in your marks of accountability. And if this is an area you struggle with as a mm -hmm. leader, you need to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, mm -hmm. I need to do it different. This isn't about mm -hmm. you. This is about me. Own up mm -hmm. to your stuff. And so, so it, it's a real tension and everybody mm -hmm. has different markers. And that's the mm -hmm. reality of the conversation is your personal barriers and obstacles, not the large picture gender barriers and mm -hmm. obstacles, because we're isolating all women because of our individual struggles. Yeah. Okay. So this is really good, Lisa. I appreciate this. Can you give us some coaching here? So I, um, so let's assume I'm, I'm a leader, I'm a male leader who does have conviction around saying, Hey, I, one of my own personal convictions is, um, I, I don't want to meet alone. I won't, I won't do the lunch. I won't. That's with, uh, with a, a female, I don't know. How, let's say I don't know how to say that without it sounding like I think you're going to try to seduce me, or I think <laughs> I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm like totally turned on by you. Like I don't know how to. How do I say that in a way? What's how, how, okay? Give us some language. Give us some coaching right. around how do we use that language? What, what would you? What would you how would you First, coach us on that? This conversation should come out in the interview process. Okay, the good, woman good, coming good, good. in should know this before. She should know that there's going to be limitations in the leadership relationship. So Very this good. should okay, come out good. in the interview process. And um, the comfort level of that, whether it comes from the senior leader making the hire or it comes from the HR admin, whoever does the hiring process, mm. either way, that's where it should come out. The, mm. the female leader should not be blindsided um, right. In the role, six months in, discovering everybody else got a one-on-one, -on -one, everybody else goes to lunch one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. but I don't. Why? So that's mm -hmm. the wrong time to find out and the wrong conversation mm -hmm. in which to find out. So my first mm -hmm. recommendation in this is have that conversation in the interview process. Let the woman make the decision to say, you know what? I'm still mm -hmm. all in. I'm okay with mm -hmm. that. Here's the boundaries. Mm -hmm. Let's work through this. Um, mm -hmm. so what to say and how to say it is, is really just coming forth, being forthright and saying, uh, I have my personal boundaries and leadership and here they are. Uh, mm -hmm. you wouldn't hesitate to say, um, I have date night with my spouse and I leave at five o'clock mm -hmm. on Thursday. So if you're not going to hesitate to say, I've got to be at my kid's baseball game on Tuesday. So I'm leaving. If you're not going to hesitate on mm -hmm. those things, then you need to not hesitate on this conversation because this mm -hmm. conversation impacts someone else's calling. So you need mm -hmm. to be even more forthright with it. And, and the comfort level comes in all the time. That's, that's always mm -hmm. a question. That's always, well, I'm not comfortable because then, as you said, it could really spark, Hey, I'm coming on to you. Um, mm -hmm. That's when you have that other person. That's why the interview is a great place because typically the interview involves multiple people. Um, mm -hmm. So then that can be had, um, in a group setting. So, so mm -hmm. those questions, and as a woman, I encourage mm -hmm. you to ask the question so that it's brought out. So in mm -hmm. interviews that I've had, I've asked, what's your position? Where will I see it? Where will I mm -hmm. be held back that other people aren't? Is there mm -hmm. opportunity? And so mm -hmm. as a woman, I would say, ask the question. It is, mm -hmm. you need to know what you're getting into because you can't get upset for a question you didn't ask. And mm -hmm. on the, the male leader side, I would say, if you know that you have hard and fast boundaries and rules, share them up front. Um, mm -hmm. if, if you don't have windows in your doors, in your office, get those windows in because 
I wholeheartedly believe every door should have a window on it. Uh, yes, but I yes. also believe once that window's there, you can shut the door and have a conversation. And mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. uh, so it's the balance of what have you done to give space for mm -hmm. gender mentoring, mm -hmm. gender leadership conversations to happen? What have you done to make space for that? And what have you done to put in the obstacle? So if you haven't put that mm -hmm. window in, that's an obstacle that you've put in, you've chosen that. Because mm -hmm. now you mm -hmm. have to leave the door open. Now those confidential conversations. I mean, in my role as an operations pastor, um, all the confidential conversations are there. HR questions mm -hmm. and conversations, yes, finance, so budgets, layoffs, mm -hmm. all of those are closed door conversations that I can't have unless there's that window. Cause that's one of my boundaries. There's, there needs mm -hmm. to be a window or at least a window somewhere that people can walk by. So if it's not in the mm -hmm. door, you know, there's the window in the door for where the assistant accesses or mm -hmm. however that works, but somewhere there is that layer of accountability there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I, I do a fair amount of coaching with churches where I'm on site. And just recently I was at a church where there weren't windows in their office doors. And I found it surprising. I was like, oh, well, this still exists. Like I was like, <laughs> um, and it was a fairly new building. And actually we, we brought it up. We talked, I talked about it. Cause I was like, yeah, how does that like, what, what's, you know, and so they choose to do the door open thing. And then I asked that exact same question, which is like, okay, so what happens when there's a, you know, a conversation that you can have the door open for um, because of the nature of it. And it did, it kind of got into this, like, well, uh, it doesn't really happen. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. It's just interesting, right? It's interesting to yeah. see how people, yeah. you know, operate. Um, so what about on the, you know, what about on the balance side? Let's say that, or the, you know, kind of the other piece of that, that puzzle. Let's say I am a female leader who is, um, you know, are, um, you know, are sometimes our convictions are, um, are comfortable, the way our comfortableness changes in scenarios. Life is different maybe than mm -hmm. when we started. Uh, how would you encourage a female leader to try to, speak to this, if their own personal conviction has changed on this, it's like, Hey, you know, I was comfortable, but I'm not, I'm no longer comfortable. Um, the, the reason why I flag this is because there are too many churches where people have been taken advantage of. And so how do we create, um, you know, a, a boundary there, uh, that's reasonable, um, yet yeah, talk us through that. What does that look like? Yeah. So in this area, it is true. They do mm -hmm. the the position changes. It's they're mm -hmm. they're comfortable when they're hired and and they're in um, the the blissful state. And then mm -hmm. something happens. Something a, a statement's made, a conversation's mm -hmm. had, and it changes the dynamics of the the comfort level. It changes the dynamics of the the leadership relationship. And so something mm -hmm. has to shift. Um, mm -hmm. for, for women, they have to be brave enough. And, and this is hard to even say, but they have to be brave enough to raise the concern. Now they don't mm -hmm. have to raise the concern to their superior. Mm -hmm. that, that's mm -hmm. not where the conversation usually starts. They need to raise the concern, um, with, within a peer context, within HR. Mm -hmm. I know most churches don't have HR, so that's a, that's a hard statement to say, but, but within mm -hmm. that place, like who writes your paycheck that, that mm -hmm. technically is your HR person. If your church is small and doesn't have HR, mm -hmm. who writes the mm -hmm. paycheck? Because that's the administrative person that's balancing um, labor laws. So let's, mm -hmm. let's put it a little, little mm -hmm. technically, if that's the mm -hmm. person writing the paycheck, then they're the ones that have to know the labor laws. So that's the person that I would send you to. Um, mm -hmm. 
if your church is super small and that's all done through the senior pastor, then there has to be a church council, an advisory right. board, something that is bringing the leadership structure. And, mm-hmm. and then you don't have to go to all of them, but find the one person that's safe. Find that person mm-hmm. that you can talk to to help have that conversation or to go with you to have that conversation. Because sometimes mm-hmm. that line was crossed and accountability needs to be put in place. And sometimes mm-hmm. that line was crossed out of ignorance. An ignorant mm-hmm. statement, a, a really unfortunate illustration in a sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, it mm-hmm. can be that simple uh, that the line yep. is crossed and that that comfort is lost. And mm-hmm. so find that person to go to and have the conversation and uh, a peer or someone that holds your um, mm-hmm. leader accountable. Those are the best go-tos to have that conversation with. And if there is still the comfort level to have the conversation, um, have it early. Mm-hmm. And having it early means um, being brave enough to say, I have a concern and I don't yes. know where I'm landing on this, mm-hmm. but let's figure this out together. You know, mm-hmm. going back to the the, the, illust- the sermon illustration, you said something in your sermon Sunday that makes me uncomfortable. And had you said that one-on-one with me, I would have had to leave the room. Right. And yeah, so and that's, approaching I'm, it that way. Yeah, in some ways, I feel bad that I've steered the conversation in this direction because I don't want to inject. Uh, I think sometimes we, it's like we we come to the worst case scenario, but I do, I, I do think we have to talk about it. And I think as executive leaders who are leading, particularly within the church, this is one of those areas where, and this has been a growth area for me over these last couple of years. I, I realized, man, I need to be really clear with our team who is the advocate that they should go to mm-hmm. if I, as their leader, or if their particular leaders. So people that lead them do something, say something that is that is inappropriate, that's off off bounds. We have to be as clear as that with our people. This is who yes. you talk to. This yes. is the advocate that is there on your behalf. Yes. Um, that is outside of you know that, that and that's their job there. And you have to you have to identify somebody. You have to make it super obvious. Say this is how you talk to them. Um, mm-hmm. And you know that's been a growth area for me even these in these years uh, because I'm like man we can't I don't want someone to wonder in that moment I'm not even sure who to talk to uh, <laughs> about this uh, particularly if it's about me if I'm the person Absolutely. that ultimately this whole thing leads up to man I have to create even more so I have to create really clear uh, really clear lines there um, so another area of this is our own thoughts and beliefs and approaches to how we manage our home life versus how we manage in. Uh, the, our leadership scenario at church, I, th- I think there sometimes can be a tension there where it's like how we've decided, how my spouse and I have decided to manage how decisions are made. Um, you know, somebody ultimately has the tie-breaking vote. You know, we've talked about that in our own marriage. Who has that uh-huh. tie-breaking vote? Uh, but then maybe I, in, maybe even unwittingly, unknowingly import that into my leadership at church. Have you seen that before? Talk talk us through that. Absolutely. Um, so there is a big difference between your theological position and your marital preference. And, mm. and in that, what I'm saying is in your theological position, you either lean mutualist, also known mm. as egalitarian, or hierarchy, also known as complementarian. Um, mm. So mutualist, which I prefer because we live and lead and are married and serve in a mutual submission. So mutualist. Mm-hmm. Um, so In a mutualist relationship, your role at the church and your role at the home may look very similar. However, um, your role at home may look more hierarchy. And you know Mm. what? 
it's it's okay because it's your preference in your home. Mm. You you know what you believe, you know what the Bible points you toward. But in mm. your home, you're like, hey, this is how we want to live our life. We want mm. um, the the husband to to be the decision maker. And I wouldn't go as far as saying the head of the house because then we go in a whole different conversation and that's mm. not what we're addressing. But the decision maker, the one that has the final say when there's a tie, mm. the husband's the tiebreaker. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in our home, when there's a tie, the person who has the most knowledge and understanding of the topic is the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a default. It's not, well, you're the male, so make the decision. It's, well, mm-hmm. you know more about this, so you make the final decision. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll use yeah. a very lighthearted. When my husband <laughs> and I are talking about sushi, he is always going to make the decision. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> He's you know? a sushi expert. <laughs> exactly. But when when we're talking about uh, Mexican food, I'm going to be the one that makes the decision. I grew mm-hmm. up in Southern mm-hmm. California. He grew up in Portland, Oregon. I'm going to make the final decision. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that's so, true. That's true. So it's Love about it. knowledge, understanding, and experience in, in, in a mutual relationship. Mutual submission means the best person, the best equipped makes the, the decision when there's a tie. Um, in, mm-hmm. and so in your preference, if, if in your marriage, it's like, I, it doesn't matter that I know more about Mexican. I'm always going to default to him and I'm going to stick to the food because it makes it more friendly conversation for everyone. Um, it, it, it's always going to default to the husband. That's okay. That's your marital preference. It's not mm-hmm. your theological position. If you truly are, um, a mutualist and egalitarian belief status. So this is about mm-hmm. the preference in your home and they're different. And, and women get really um, hung up on that because they find themselves wanting a spouse like that. It's, you know, the fairy mm-hmm. tale, it's the Prince Charming. Mm-hmm. It's what they've been taught to desire. Mm-hmm. And really they don't even know if that's their desire until they're in it, but it's what we've been taught. I grew up wanting mm-hmm. princesses and castles. And then I really said, actually, I don't. And my childhood dream adulthood was overseeing an orphanage all by myself because I didn't need anyone mm-hmm. else to help me do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Love it. You know, Love it, it. it's the balance. Um, and so everybody mm-hmm. has to find that. So really that's, that's your preference and not necessarily mm-hmm. your theological position and being able to separate those out um, really helps you better understand uh, where you land in leadership overall. And as on the other side of the conversation, if you are hierarchy complementarian, then all aspects of your life will align that way. Then your home mm. and your ministry and and how you seek a job really will take you in that right. direction. Right. Okay, cool. Interesting. That's great. Super helpful for sure. As we think, as we try to, you know, discern, you know, pull those, those two aspects of our lives apart and try to think critically about that. So, so helpful. Appreciate that. When you think about, um, particularly next generation women leaders, what can we do as leaders, uh, who maybe are, you know, so I'm thinking about executive pastor leading at a church, a female or male who's like, Hey, I want to make sure that young leaders particularly are getting opportunity. Cause it seems like a part of where this goes off the tracks is like very early on. It's like, you know, women coming out of school or like very early on, it's like, we're not creating the right opportunities. Are, any thoughts on that? What can we do on that front? Uh, advocate for in every way okay, possible. Great. So yep. um, I have had interns in my office space, whether it's at the church, whether it's in the corporate world, interns in my office raising up the next generation. 
Uh, it's one of the reasons why I teach. It's because I believe Ooh. in the next generation of leaders. I teach uh, as adjunct professor because I want to know that they still exist. And I want mm. to know that there's still interest because the next generation isn't as interested as um, as my generation. They're they're not the gung ho um, grind. Uh, then we mm. skip from the millennials to Gen Z, who are back to the grind. They're like, I want the job. I want I want the driver's mm. license. You look at the millennials. They're like, I'll get my driver's license one day. And so the mm. balance of that. So being with younger. Um, younger leaders became really important to me. So how mm. do you pour into them? First, hang mm. out with them. Know that mm. they exist. Mm. Know mm. that they have mm. something to offer. Because if all you're seeing is kids' noses in screens, you're not mm. going to see the potential of what they have to offer. Mm-hmm. Give them opportunity to show their potential. And mm. for for women specifically, you know, there, there's many times me growing up in different roles and capacities as a woman that I was overlooked because um, it was, hey, let's go to the golf course. Hey, let's go to the basketball court. Mm. And I wasn't invited because those were hangouts. Let's find the potential. Let's have a conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, there are women that play golf. Not one of them because my golf game stinks. My dad will tell you firsthand. <laughs> love it. I have attempted, yeah, but yeah, yes. but but there are different ways to do that. So yeah. uh, find those places where you can hang out, and of course, you know, a male taking just one female to go play golf isn't reality. So the pickup game of basketball is probably your better bet, and there are women mm-hmm. that play basketball, and we mm-hmm. automatically mm-hmm. think that we automatically skip over the invite for the woman. So we have interns and you invite all the male interns. I've watched it happen in the offices Mm. that I've been. All the male interns were invited to go to the baseball game. It's like, guess what? I watch baseball every day, literally Mm. every day, whether it's my kids (laughs) playing or the Dodgers playing, I watch every day. (laughs) So, uh, so, So those are just opportunities. Find those places where you can see the next generation of leaders and women specifically in their own environment, see what their Mm -hmm. potential is, go where they're at instead of taking Mm -hmm. them where you're at. And Mm -hmm. so when you invest in the next generation, you really want to take the time to listen to them. And part of Mm -hmm. listening is observing, see Mm -hmm. how they interact, see how they naturally lead in environments. And then you can have that follow-up conversation that says, Hey, when I was watching you, the other day at the bas- on the basketball court, I saw you take charge. I saw this mm-hmm. in you. So mm-hmm. stirring up that potential in them really ignites them. And then specifically when it becomes the gender uh, issue, go where they're at, find out mm-hmm. what, what they're doing. And I'm not saying go get your hair done with them. I'm saying <laughs> go find, you know, if they're on the volleyball court, then pick up volleyball instead of golf. So go mm-hmm. where they're at. Mm-hmm. I love that. So good. Um, when you think about the, like, do you think the trend in this is heading in the right direction or the wrong direction? Like, do you, what's your kind of, uh, you know, your assessment on this? Are we getting better as a church or, or not? I, I can't discern that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are not getting better as a church and here's the unfortunate right. thing, but yep. we're not getting better as a society. So Mm. I'm currently in an executive women's leadership program at Mm -hmm. Cornell University. And the statistics Mm -hmm. there are heartbreaking because our Mm. society is reflecting the same. And Mm. the the thing for me is the church has a mandate Mm. 
Society mm-hmm. doesn't. So mm-hmm. as a church, we should be the front leaders. We should be the mm-hmm. front runners. We should be out there saying we empower everyone because the kingdom and God's people are more important than our bias on genders. Mm, so good. So good. And this is not a salvific matter. This does not determine right. our salvation. Right. So let's go make this happen and get out on the battlefield where salvation does matter. Let's right. reach the people where it does make a difference. And so um, so our trends are still kind of holding steady with less women right around that 45 mark, which is better than where it was back in the day. Um, so mm. right around that 45 mark is where we'll see, you know, depending on which statistic, anywhere from 45 to 48 of women. Um, but if, if you flip it and look at the other aspects of women, ed- mm-hmm. we have more educated women than we do men. Yes. Um, yep. More yep. more women seek higher degrees, but they're doing all of this to seek the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you have to go after the degrees because a woman won't be looked at without the degree, whereas a male would be. And mm-hmm. so, um, so women are going after those degrees so that they have an opportunity. They have a standing chance of, well, I don't have the experience because it wasn't extended to me, but I have the education. And mm-hmm. so finding mm-hmm. that balance, getting that education has helped women. Um, but the trends are not in our favor right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that, that is what I'm hoping people can discover, even just in our conversation, is there are ways to empower women. There are ways to um, advocate for them and to release them and to see them um, take leadership roles that they Mm -hmm. haven't had opportunity in the past. And Mm -hmm. we can see those numbers um, Mm -hmm. reflect those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So this might be another unfair question in this area. This is one of the great, I think one of the great ironies of the modern church is so many churches I've been to. If you were to stand back on a Sunday morning or a weekend service and look out over the, you know, over the audience, the congregation, whatever you call it in your particular slice of Christianity, um, you know, that's 60, maybe 70% women, uh, 30, 40% men, um, and, and some even higher, some 80, 80, 20, you know, mm-hmm. it, it definitely skews in fact, I think in 100% of the churches I ever visit, it always skews towards there being more women than men. That's like a whole other topic of conversation. But then at the same time, the leadership skews the other way, um, where it's you know primarily men um, leading. I, I don't even know if I have a question. I'm like, <laughs> what is True. happening here? <laughs> like, what is happening here? Like, what 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 is all of that? Again, I, I realize it's an unfair question because it's like it's this giant issue that's in front of us. How do you reflect on that? You've obviously thought about these issues. So, you know, what, what do you think? What do you think? Yeah. So, so seeing that, that very thing, everything that you said, I agree with, it's the trends, it's the truth. Mm. The numbers will show you, I mean, every church that I've been into and I've been on a lot Mm. because I've worked at uh, Mm a denomination where I, that was my job was to visit churches. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, there are more women in the seats and mm-hmm. if there are more women in the seats and fewer women on the platform, then we're not reaching and discipling the women that God has brought to us, the people that mm-hmm. God has brought to it's us. Good. Mm-hmm. And so if we truly are raising up and discipling those that God has brought to us, then we should see more women in leadership. Mm-hmm. We should see more women leading even the simplest of things, our discipleship classes and mm-hmm. and our, our trainings that we do. Um, and yet we 
oftentimes limit women to our children's ministry, which looking back at my childhood, my favorite (laughs) children's pastor was a male. And my Mm. favorite Sunday school teacher was my grandfather, who was obviously Mm. a male. And and not Mm. because, well, partly because he was my grandfather, but because he was full of wisdom and all of our friends loved him. He was funny, you know, all of those things that you'd hope for. And mm-hmm. if if the male voice is absent in the seats, mm-hmm. how absent is it in the home? Mm. And who do our children need to hear from? Yep. But yet all of our Sunday school teachers are women. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> it's, yeah, this is a, this is one of the, yeah, we, I, we you know didn't even get into that the stereotyping of women into you know serving in you know just in in just I say in quotes in yes. you know kids ministry areas um, that's like a you know that's like again a whole other can of worms or in some movements you know you'll have women are allowed to uh, to go overseas and do roles yeah. with mission yeah, organizations everything. yeah that they are would not be allowed to do in the exact same organization you know, on this, man, that's just sad. I'm like, yes. how are we still living in that world? That's, that's yeah, crazy to me. It is an well, unfortunate is, dynamic. Yeah. Lisa, this has been an incredible conversation. I, I really appreciate you, you know, hoping our list friends, our hope was to, to, to continue to talk about this issue, to raise this for us to think about it again. My assumption is that there are leaders that are listening in today that see all those problems and are like, I see all that. But it's like, hey, what steps can we take today? Give us a kind of final word as we wrap up. What what would you say to a leader that's listening in that says, yeah, I see all that stuff. What what, what could be a step or two that we should be taking, even practically this week, yeah. uh, to try to create better, you know, equality, equity in our uh, organizations? Um, first, I would say lean into the discomfort. Mm-hmm. It's unfamiliar territory for most leaders, and you got to just mm-hmm. lean into it. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, set your own personal boundaries and don't mm-hmm. penalize others because of your boundaries. Make them your own, mm-hmm. own up to mm-hmm. them and make them yours and don't penalize others. Um, mm-hmm. It's very easy to uh, have boundaries that penalize people from their calling and then mm-hmm. communicate. Make sure people know your boundaries. Make sure the woman that you're inviting onto staff knows that there will be limits if you're putting limitations in there. And if there mm-hmm. aren't limits, then live up to what you've committed to. <laughs> yes. Love it. Thank you so much, Lisa. If people want to track with you, uh, we're going to be at the XP Summit here coming up in in a very short time. Yes. So hopefully po- folks are listening in that are coming to that. We'll get a chance to connect. But if people want to connect with you, track with you, where do we want to send them online? Oh, that's a great question. I'm in the process of launching my website. Um, nice. But... <laughs> Uh, and we have not secured the domain because my husband's yeah, one step okay. behind me. So, um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, but they, they can reach me at Lisa at Pemberthy.rocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my first name, Lisa at Pemberthy.rocks. And that love is it. my uh, ministry address. Perfect. Thanks so much, Lisa. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for helping us think through and wrestle through these issues today. Absolutely. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.